Welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam Westy. Joined uh, a beautiful sunny Galway boys. It's un- unheard of these days. Yeah, but the sun is out. One week of summer we get. This is it. And golf courses are closed. So me and Sam <laughs> are pissed. Uh, so... But uh, it's great to have a bit of good weather, boys. It's I think, improves everyone's mood. I know it does mine. I don't know about you two lads. But anyway, Sam, how are you? Yeah, much better. Back in work now. This is my second week back. And some of the uh, other kids were back in. So it was kind of nice atmosphere in work, which was great. Uh, so kind of happy to be able to leave the house every morning and come back in the afternoon. It, it structures your day a lot better, I find. Can't believe I'm, I'm so jealous of someone who gets to leave their own house. Yeah, I got to drive on a motorway today. <laughs> oh, my God. What's, what's a car? I don't even know what that is anymore. Westy, how are you, bud? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Same old, same old. I'm, I'm not like Sam, who has three months of work off to complain about. I've been working all the time, so, yeah. Bazinga. How'd you like that one, Sam? Uh, that, that was harsh. That was, uh, <laughs> that was uncalled for. Not true, I'll have you know. And what, which part isn't true? The three months I've been working non-stop since the whole yeah. time. <laughs> Sam hasn't been working at all. Um, but, yeah, Sam's a teacher, so we like to give him abuse because... Yeah, we're je- I think it's more jealousy than anything. I'm not jealous of your job. I'm jealous of your time off, and there's a difference. I don't want to work with kids. Kids are really annoying, but uh, I'm just jealous <laughs> of your time off. So my girlfriend's always happy to hear that. How much I dislike children yeah, for future plans is great. Uh, but we're not here to talk about my future plans. We're here to talk about some rugby boys. Six Nations is on the weekend. We also had Pro 14 and Super Rugby. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. We're going to try and keep it as short as possible, which is... Very difficult for us because we like to talk about rugby. But we'll start Six Nations. We'll start the Irish game in Rome. This was always going to be, a, it was described a lot of times as a lose-lose because, you know, it's Italy. But then if you don't play well, it's also, you know, looked down upon. So, Westy, it was a comfortable win in the end. We never looked like we were struggling. The result was never in doubt. Italy were quite poor. How do you look at this? Do you look at it as it was, you know, got in there, did the job as that we needed to do, or we're still way off the pace? Um, yeah, look, I think uh, as we kind of said before, like this, this was just about winning it. Like it was just about getting through the fixture. Like Italy, there was a very, very slim chance it would come together for Italy, and we'd be the ones to fall to them. You know, there's been a lot of talk that they are playing a decent attacking style uh, of rugby, although the defence has been questioned quite a lot, and rightly so. Um, but I think it's it's how we follow through now. It was about winning this game either way. Um, and now we've seen a glimpse of what Ireland can do. We saw it in patches. I don't think it was a, a consistent enough performance, to be honest. Like, they went down to 13 men. I don't think we scored. You know, we still struggled to find space. We did still struggle to keep our attacking flow together. Um but we saw long periods where Ireland did do it. I think that is that is a promising sign. You know, we again, even the games we lost, we didn't lose them by a lot. They were both one or two point losses in the end. So bounce of a ball could have gone a different way. Um, but it's just a bit comforting to have that that first win on the board. Could I interest anyone in an offload? <laughs> Everyone got offloads this weekend, yeah. boys. I felt like the meme. You get an offload. You get an offload. New entry into the Guinness World Records for most times offload has been said in an 80-minute period. Like the comment, the commentators on Virgin Media, like I, I understand that we weren't doing it very often before that, and that we happen to have a few. But like, what the first one was such a bog standard, like offload, and the commentators were like, oh look at the effectiveness, and oh, they went into such detail about it, and they were over the moon about it. And it's like, I think more was made of offloads than any other aspect of the game. Like you know, you could you could make such make such a deal out of so many different aspects of the game like i think i read a stat earlier that wales are winning the six nations and they have the least in the tournament so it's not the be all and end all of winning the six nations but wales are an anomaly we'll get to that later on it's like <laughs> again we, we'll talk about that later but why is sam we did see a lot more attacking i think um free play like a bit more creativity is that just because we were playing italy or is this now the iron we can expect going forward yeah, that's the downside to play in Italy this weekend is that we're going into it with the caveat that you're just playing Italy. So the reins can kind of be a little loosened. And that that was the case. We saw a much freer version of Ireland. Maybe it's the version they've been trying to get to and just hasn't succeeded because they had no confidence the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it definitely did look like a much improved mentality, a much improved kind of game plan. 
much more confidence in backing ability, taking people on the outside. James Lowe in particular, you know, he, he really ran the touchline a few times and tried a couple of things that didn't quite come off, but it was positive to see. And you hope that that is a precursor to the future and that we see that going into Scotland and then uh, Scotland and then England on the last day. But it's, you know, it's, it's too hard to kind of get overly excited about it because like that, it is Italy. And in the past, we've had six nations where we've been our, our usual kind of self under Joe Schmidt, where we've destroyed everyone, played really well, but in a certain way. And then the Italy game has been a, like like this, a good result, but also a completely different style. So, you know, whatever style you take out, you, you play in the Italy game is not necessarily the long term goal. Hopefully, because I was impressed with it. But I was impressed more so than the offloads was the manner in which the forwards were attacking the line at pace around the corner in pods. It's been too static the last couple of weeks. Forwards have been taking it standing still and then running. They've been taking it on their own out wide. They've not been, it's not really been cohesive. And I was really impressed with that. And that is something you can bring into future games. That is something that you can bring into the next couple of games. Because regardless of how quick your defensive line is coming up at you and stopping a back line from playing, forwards will always be able to get the momentum if they keep going, they keep going. Maybe the first time they stopped on the line, but two or three in and a retreating forward pack aren't going to be able to stop. So Hopefully we see that and maybe Kilcoyne and Keller and Furlong are the type of like front row that can facilitate that. And that's no slight on the other front rows that have played this season. I think Porter has been absolutely unbelievable. But you know, those three players, when you think of them, what you think of is their pace and their power and their ability. But this is the thing, and as you pointed out, it's the po- the problem of playing Italy is like there's some great performances, but is that because we were playing Italy? <laughs> this is like well, this is the lose lose nature of it. I think if you're looking towards the future, you know, you can always, you can, it, it would be very telling on what type of game we play against Scotland because like that could be a one-off and that's so, so sad to think that if that, that style of play is available to you, why haven't you accessed it? Why, why don't you try it more often? But I do think that Kilcoyne, Keller and Furlong, you know, Ryan Henderson, Connors, Stander, I think that they're all capable against any backline, against any forward pack of playing quite quickly around the corner the way they did. They just haven't been doing it yet. I don't think, Whoever you're playing, I don't think that, that that game plan is is nullified by like outside of really being smashed. I don't think it's nullified. I think that they've just not been doing it. I think that we've been setting up ridiculously statically in the last few weeks, and we weren't doing that this week. We were really taking it at pace. I thought Gibson Park facilitated that well, and I thought that Casey did it well when he came on as well. So you know, hopefully you see it going into it. But the biggest question will be if it's not the same or if it's not similar versus Scotland, why do it against Italy? Well, yeah, that's that's gonna be the big issue. And Westy, I think personally, I thought that we played played pretty well. It was, it was still uh, not very clinical in some areas. I think though, it's amazing the difference that, as Sam said, coming onto the ball with pace and going into a tackle with pace, the momentum it causes it it frees up that potential offload just because you know the the defender bounces off you rather than just smothers you. Uh, and I think though a lot of criticism come in on the Italy side saying that defensively they were really poor where do you fall on that do you think Ireland were just better you know going forward or were Italy as bad as everyone's saying they are um, it's an easy answer it was probably a mix of both I think on the point of having a more free-flowing game plan against Italy we probably had the confidence to, to have a more free-flowing game plan against Italy it's kind of a um, you know it's it, 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 it's because we think it's an easier win, it becomes an easier win. Do you know, we, we, we kind of manifest it or whatever because we're, we're that bit more willing to take a chance because we're not as afraid of Italy. Whereas um, you can kind of see how playing Wales or France, we'd want to be a bit more conservative and take our points where we can. Um, I do think, I don't think on, on the whole, Italy's defence were poor. I just think they seem, to, they seem to defend well for one or two phases and then they'll have one phase where someone's just caught napping um, and then they struggle to get back into the form. Like we saw how well they defended with 13, 14 men for, you know, they had 14 men for what, 15 minutes in total. Um, and we only scored once in that time. And so, you, you know, they have the ability to do it. I, I think I pointed out during the game, you can see Garabisi marshalling people around corners and yelling at people to get into space. So it's not a case of them not, I don't think it's a case of their just, uh, defensive system necessarily being, bad it's a case of buy-in it's a commitment to to doing it for 80 minutes and why is we've always said it's now about Italy teams that they have the potential but they haven't there's always a lax in, or a lapse in concentration like what it's obviously incredibly frustrating for Franco Smith but why is why do Italy teams do this 
It's tough. I mean, you would say maybe, um, you know, they don't have as many players in, let's say, as as a as much of a professional environment as let's say like the Irish or the French or stuff. You know, there's you've heard kind of people who have gone to um, Treviso and Zebra do say that there is a little bit more, or historically rather, I don't want to say now, but there has been a bit more of a laid back attitude towards kind of times of trainings and stuff like that. Um, so maybe it's just not being in such a, a harshly regimented environment. Although I, you know, I, I'm not saying that's the case for the national team. Um, and I think maybe like just like winning is a habit, losing is a habit. You know, if you if you're going out for your seventh Six Nations in a row without winning a game, like it is hard for those, harder for those older lads to be like, oh geez, here we go again. Whereas I think the beauty of Italy now is it's a very very young team, an under twenties team who have beaten. Correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody except New Zealand. So. It's a similar vein to, to France, except obviously France are a little, you know, that bit better. Whereas they're bringing in these young players who don't have that, who don't have that losing habit. Um, and I think the sooner they get their first victory, the better. Because I, I, I've been a little bit too optimistic for Italy here, but I do see the potential there for something really good. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the potential is obviously there. You know, we all seen what they can do. It's just piecing those pieces together, which they've struggled with for the last God knows how long. Uh, losing Stephen Varney before the game started was also a massive loss. I know he's only 19 or whatever he is, but he was brilliant the first two weeks. So a big loss for them, but I don't think it would have made a difference. Sam, defensively, I think we played pretty well. Uh, from an Irish point of view? Or from a, Yeah, from an Irish, Irish point of view. Yeah, I don't think we were overly tested. I, I don't think Italy were the same Italy they'd been in the previous two games, that one that really caused quite a bit of a stir and got in and scared defences. Uh, part of that might be, from what Wesley was saying, the losing is a habit. Like, you know, having two games where you play probably the best rugby you've ever played and are still hockeyed, it could be demoralising. It could stop you wanting to try. It could, it could kind of put a dampener on that. And they, they might have just kind of gone, like, it, it mightn't have been for them as easy to kind of harness that ability and to do that uh, against the Irish defence, which was quite well drilled. And I think that, you know, We've not looked overly great the last year or two, but one thing that we will, like our head coach is an extremely successful defence coach, you know, with the Lions, with Ireland in the past. So I do think that defensively, drilled-wise, it should be something that we are very good at. The last couple of games, the last couple of years, we've seen an outside winger be pretty much the the downfall for the defensive systems. Defensive systems have worked until a winger is shot up. So maybe something was fixed in that regard but yeah no I think that there was there was definitely very very good defensive structure there was definitely very good aggression uh you know having Tyburn Ian Henderson and James Ryan on the pitch at the same time is always going to be helpful because you've got three lads that really and CJ Stander as well like three lads that really really want to get in and get on that ball and slow it down and then Will Connor is just like the man is just the size he cuts you ever cuts you from the bottom down like so yeah, no, I was I was very impressed with it, but that being caveated, I don't think Italy were actually up to much. Uh, I don't even think they were as good as themselves the previous two games. They didn't really ask too many questions. Yeah, I think Italy definitely played better the first two weeks than they did against Ireland, and that could be because of Ireland or just having a bad day. Will Connors, you touched on him. I think he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was man the match possibly over. I Tag did see Burn. I thought, but, uh, I thought uh, Ty Burns little in his speech after he got man of the match saying. Uh, he said he went up to Will Connors and said, "I think they mistake me. They mistook me for you." I, I think that was fair because I thought Will Connors was probably better. Well, uh, like he scored two tries. I don't know what much more you have to do <laughs> in the game uh, as a back rower, but I'd I will we'll touch on it just secondly. I think I'd have him starting as a number seven for Ireland. I don't know about you guys. Will Connors? Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd start him. I said this a couple of weeks ago as well. I think that we we have such a wealth of back rows. Although I was listening to another podcast recently. That made mention of every nation having a wealth of back rows, and it's true. They're it's very true, yeah. in vogue at the moment. There's a lot of really good back rows. Like, Wasn't it last last Six Nations? Every man in the match was from the back row. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. <laughs> watch like Super Rugby Arts Row the weekend. Like just how many back rows are in each of those teams? Like I think that uh, we we might have a wealth of it, but so do England, so do France, Italy. That's probably their strongest positions as well. Like so. It is no. I'd I'd have Will Connor starting at the moment. Definitely. Uh, I thought CJ was good again. I think he's very very good at being CJ. He's very good at all the things we know he can do and will do. Uh, I like, I'm not sure how effective that is in the long run. Like if you get a, a Doris back, do you replace CJ with Doris? I probably would personally, but that's not any slight on CJ. He's a brilliant player. He just, 
I think he's very much just the player that we know he is, whereas Doris, I think, is a little bit more and has the potential to grow into being a little bit more. Yeah, Doris is more dynamic, I think, you know, potentially. Westy, you want to say something? I was just going to say, on the Tyke Byrne point, if you want to know why he got man of the match, he was the first man at our rucks 27 times. He was the first man at opposition rucks 10 times. Within the first three to a ruck 27 times, uh, clear out 12, like... The, the work rate from Tyke Byrne was, was unbelievable. And that's not even his best position, which is the scary thing. <laughs> that's how good Tyke Byrne is. Uh, Westy, we went into this game and we all said we need to use this game wisely to learn as much as we can because we all knew that we should, you know, we should beat Italy. Go, uh, well, you know, after this game, do you think we use this game as well as we could? No. I don't. I I think we used it well. Like it was a, it was a decent kind of um uh it was a good overall team. You know, Craig Casey had that's a brilliant debut for him. He got a you know, what did he get twenty minutes? Ryan Bird made a big impact uh coming on to this game. Um kind of a reintroduction to starting for um Tyg Furlong, although I think he's hurt his ankle now. Um but no, I don't. I mean I think when you have like and look, look, Johnny Sexton had a, had a fantastic game. It's great to see him go 80 minutes, but it's not a game he really needed to go 80 minutes for. Like, we had an opportunity there. You know, a lot of people, like, we, we again, like, I, I've been very flattering to Italy on this, on this podcast, but it's because we had the game pretty much in the palm of our hand for the majority of it, especially when they were down men. Like, why are you not emptying the bench at that stage? Why are you not giving Billy Burns, who, you know, by all... By the looks of it, Andy Farrell is sticking with Billy Burns, which is fine. I think he's a grand player. Why not give him more time? Why not give Craig Casey more time? Do you know, I think I think you could see that we were held back a little bit by fear still in this game. Do you think, Westy, just you say he's sticking with Billy Burns? I was only thinking about this the other day because of how little game time Billy Burns got and how weirdly unfair it was that Sexton was also on the pitch with him, which I think really hampers his ability to run the back line the way he should be allowed to try but do you think that maybe Andy Farrell is sticking with Billy Burns because he's disposable in the, you know, the interim? You have Billy Burns for a year or two and then cast him aside when Joey Carberry is fit and ready or Harry Byrne is ready and proven. Uh, is it probably easier to just go with him for the year or two? It seems that could be the case. Like, I don't want to be overly critical of Andy Farrell, but it just looked weird that he didn't bring him on when he brought on Casey when there was such an opportunity to do it when we were quite clearly going to win and quite clearly in control. Well, I think he probably thought the benefit-wise for Casey, Casey probably gets a bit more benefit playing outside, playing inside Johnny Sexton rather. Um, and I, like maybe you're right, like maybe right in the sense that, like not every player who who plays or starts for Ireland has to be a hundred capper. You know, sometimes players play for a couple of years and and you know they, they move on or, or it doesn't work out for them. That's fine. Um, but either way, he's still choosing to go Billy Burns over Ross Byrne or anybody else. And you know, on on the conservative thing. You know, we also had we had a lot of experience coming in off that bench as well. You know, we had Rob Herring coming in at hooker. Again, like, you know, I lament the chance for Dave Heffernan to get a run out that he thoroughly deserves. He's been in how many camps down he's got? But how many squads down? He's got, what, 20 minutes maybe in the last two tournaments? Like, I just think it's a little bit, um, it's a bit strange, you know. But again, but I, I see the logic in it that, like, I think we were hampered by fear and kind of giving these guys more time. But but what, what where is the fear coming from, Wesley? Because he lost the first two games in a row. We've never done this, that before. This game was over at half time. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't explain that. I think, again, maybe, I think the Johnny Sexton decision is around the development of Casey and giving Casey time inside Johnny Sexton. Um, yeah, but I think that um, it's probably, I can see how it would be beneficial to give. Uh, Casey time playing with Sexton. Um, now again, why didn't he bring him on ten minutes earlier? What when did we get the fourth try? I think we got it pretty early on. Um, Four try was before it, half time. We had four before half time. Well, before no, we had three before half time. No, we had bonus points. We not before half time. I don't know. I'd have to check. I don't think so. Okay. Um, Even if we had three. Yeah, but again, we, again, we were comfortable. And then when they start getting cards, obviously. Um, but and even if even if to Sam's point, Billy Burns is like a stopgap until a better ten comes along, you know, why not give him a bit more time on the pitch? It just seemed like a win-win. You know what I mean? The game was over. We were bonus point. Italy were never looked like, you know, breaking us down. They never looked like they were going to score the four tries required to get back into a game. It just seemed like it was the ideal situation to. You know, get Billy Burns on with half an hour to go. Get Casey on with half an hour to go. Baird, whoever. You know, the entire bench if you wanted to. Why? 
it just it sticks in uh, you know the fans' minds as like this is just yeah. again not using our our game time. You know, people always say it's very hard to you know develop players during the Six Nations. Well, a second half against Italy where the game's out of sight already is probably your only and your best opportunity. And so I was just going to say I I don't like the argument that it's hard to develop a player during the Six Nations because yes that is true, but I also find it very bemusing that uh, and I. A country could use the excuse of it hard to be in developing a player in the Six Nations, but using the Six Nations to get players back to fitness, like James Lowe and uh, Ty Furlong, and to an extent Jordan Larmer, who were like, you know, they've not been involved provincially for quite a while, and I don't, I don't understand why they're in there if you can't bring in someone like Casey. Surely, when players are lacking fitness, it's the opportunity to bring someone else in, and that then gives you twice as many players with experience at the end of it all. That, that for me is where. That, that doesn't really compute. I don't understand the logic behind that. And it shows, a, it's a very different, you can see a very different, uh, sorry, Steve, he's going to cross you. You see a very different coaching philosophy in Andy Farrell to Wayne Pivak. Now, again, like Wayne Pivak at this stage, I think it's kind of like, let's just, let's just see what happens. We're going to win somehow. But, you know, two games in a row now, he's brought on Callum Sheedy pretty much at the stroke of halftime. And dear God, Callum Sheedy, what an introduction to international rugby. Yeah, but it's it's the willingness to try those things that in yeah. Ireland we just don't seem to have that. Um, but I say Andy Farrell was more willing six months ago, but things have changed. It, it does. The Callum Sheedy thing is funny though, because like earlier on, Westy, you made mention of it about us with the bounce of a ball. We were within what two or three points of both games, the first two games. Wales are kind of the opposite side where they're the bounce of a ball, their direction. You know, they've gotten two two calls that like. They, they were definite reds, but they were unfortunate for the players getting red. They were one off, like ridiculous moments. Uh, two seconds later, Peter Mann, he hits his own man and he doesn't get a red card. Or the Scotland one, you know, I believe it was a red, but on a different day, a TMO might have said mitigation and given a yellow. And then, like the other day against England, the ref has actually already come out and said that he made the mistake twice for two of the tries. So they're, they're getting the luxury of bringing on Sheedy because the bounce of the ball is going their way a little bit. Uh, and you probably make your own luck. They're very confident in themselves. The Welsh nation have always been confident. They've been written off so many years they've ended up winning Grand Slams. Like We go, ah, oh, Wales are terrible. We have like three Grand Slams. What do they have, 12 or 13? It's it's crazy the difference difference between us Like because we are consistently better provincially and consistently better like uh, from a rugby point of view. And then it gets to Six Nations time. Wales are always looking a bit shaky and then manage to get like, you know, win the championship or win the Grand Slam. But this is what I'm saying. And I, this is when I argue with people about changing our, how Ireland play and their whole style is that, you know, we could still do what we're doing. Like this team, this team that Ireland have now could win a Six Nations, like like Wales are proving. You just get the odd break and you, you know, you, 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 you know, make the best out of it and you can win games so that, that's just how it goes that's how tight the Six Nations is but to get to that next level which we all want Ireland to get to we're not going to be able to do that this way but we've, we've talked enough already in the Irish game we'll move on to that Wales-England game that you were talking about obviously referee Pascal uh, Gazair has come under a lot of fire and probably rightly so as Sam said he's already come out and admitted that the two incidents the crossfield kick and the knock-on were incorrect decisions uh, and credit to, in fairness, credit to Andy Farrell and uh, Eddie Jones, which is not something I often say, but you know they had plenty of opportunity to slay them after the game, and they didn't take it. Uh, so fair play to them for that. But Westy, uh, how annoyed would you be if you were an English fan <laughs> this weekend? Um, I think you'd kind of understand how uh, Scotland and Ireland have been feeling the last few weeks, uh, falling victim to the Welsh black magic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, look, you'd be pretty disappointed. I think it's it's always such a shame when, like, big games, especially Six Nations games, are kind of defined by referee decisions. Like, I, I hate when someone can turn around and say that all the ref costs us that. Like, because, you know, nine times out of ten, like, ref decisions go both ways. Like, you get decisions, you lose decisions. Like, it just, that's the unfortunate nature of the game. Um, but, yeah, like, the first like the first one, I think, is is arguable. I think the ref doesn't do anything illegal. He's not wrong. But how he doesn't call for the water to go off before he puts time back on, or how he doesn't like how he blows a whistle while England clearly aren't paying attention, like it's just poor game management more than anything else, I think, in that instance. Um, but he say, he's, he tells Farrell to talk to his team. Yeah, but it's yeah. like it's like twenty seconds later. Like it's longer well, than you think if you watch it. The back. water the water is on, which yeah. is Yeah, oh, no, that's like, what I'm saying. Like But is the water on? So is that who decides the water to come on? Is that England or the referee? 
I, I, as far as I'm aware, Farrell has asked, uh, is, is can the water all right to come on? The water comes on for both teams, it's there. So let's just say if if the ref does the exact same thing that he does, but instead of there being a cross-field kick, there's a quick tap and go. That Welsh player is running at a water boy and straight away the ref would blow his whistle and say, no, you cannot play if the water boy is there. That, that would be so dangerous because that's where he is. He's standing in the middle of the huddle. But it's the fact that it's away from it. The ref kind of waves it on, which I do think, I think Farrell could feel extremely aggrieved yeah. on it. Uh, and I, I thought he did. He composed himself, so did Eddie Jones in the uh, the interviews afterwards. And I do, I do, I think that there needs to be a, a discussion with the media about pushing for comments about referees because players get punished for commenting on referees uh, and media are pushing for it. So if the media are essentially responsible for making a player say something about the referee because they're in the heat of battle asking them about it, I think that they, they are deserving of some sort of punishment too. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say, though, on that, that the abuse yeah. that that interviewer got is ridiculous. Yeah. How people could treat someone like and that. And tagging, tagging the profile is just like... Yeah, awful. But uh, this is the thing. This is the bullshit. And Sam, you said it before. Like, this rugby culture that everyone praises and how great it is that Alan Wynne-Jones is carrying you know, the stand off the pitch. The same culture is also these people you know, targeting Sonia McLaughlin and t- you know, giving abuse to her. Like, that's just, it's the same supporters that do this sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that's more indicative of social media culture. Though. I yeah, don't but think that's still, necessarily a sporting culture. I don't think any sport has that culture. They're rugby like. fans. They're not. These are not soccer fans coming over like we always say. Oh yeah, it's, no. But I'm saying it's it's people. I, like those people are commenting vile comments on anything. You yeah, know, oh, majority yeah, of them. That's true. Uh, but we're not drawing that. Obviously, if you're doing that, fuck off uh, and do not follow this podcast. Um, as I said, credit to, you know Farland Jones. Sam, are are Wales just destined to win this fucking Six Nations? Because that's what it seems like. Yeah, it seems to be the case. Like I said before, Wales have won plenty of Grand Slams and Six Nations where they've been completely written off beforehand. I remember discussions a few two years ago where people were like, "I think Wales will probably finish behind Scotland," and then they went and won the Grand Slam. Like, so it does happen. Like they're they're extremely successful. They're extremely competent in themselves. Like, yo, I think that we've questioned George North. That, center uh, and we've said George North has passed it even though he's only 28 uh, with his 100 caps the other day a couple of times for for a few years now but I don't think Wales are saying that I don't think his teammates are thinking that and I think that that's where they get their belief from I think that they're looking around and they're they're looking at winners they're looking at serial winners players that have been consistently winning this tournament and consistently better and you know until France recently probably the the most successful team maybe England like in the last few years so I think that might be the case and I think that that you know, they're, they're persisting with something. Maybe last year was explained to them all. They were sat down and maybe they were told, you know, nothing good is going to happen for a year. But next year, and that, that might be something they've all bought into, like the likes of Falatau and Tipperick and Navidi, they're all playing good rugby. So, you know, they, they could easily go on and win it. And uh, it would be embarrassing for me. who like, I wrote them off before the tournament. I was having them finishing just above Italy. Uh, yeah. But, well, I think but, a lot of people were in fairness. But I yeah, guess no. this is what we've always said. You know, Wales, you can you can argue whether it was planned or not. But, you know, people always say you can't sacrifice a year to, to be better the next year. And Wales... Absolutely well, can. I mean, you can, though. Yeah, but no, definitely, but definitely can. But yeah. the people have said that about Ireland. You know, they can't... You can't sacrifice, you know, you can't finish fifth and then, you know, the, the finances and all that shit. Wales, whether they really plan it or not, or where it is just pure luck, is what they're doing now. Like, last year was crap. They were awful. But now they've won three from three. They've got, what, Italy and France left. And France, who knows yeah, who what... Knows what who France knows what walking yeah. wounded is going to show up for that. Point. And if Although, they get the... Well, people are calling for Scotland to get the 28-0 win. That won't happen because of TV money. But if that did happen... Their Grand Slam's gone, and then Wales just have to, you know, either beat or lose by a certain number. Like, you know, they could go from finishing fifth to winning a Six Nations because they took time to implement a system that way, and PVAC wanted. Like, this is where people, the short sightedness is backfiring. But uh, it's funny, like you say that with the game at the weekend. What was kind of like, I the Wales tries were a bit ridiculous. Uh, England didn't deserve to win it. Like even with those tries, like England were they like Farrell said himself, like they didn't control the controllables. But what it did do when England were behind was force England to play a much nicer looking game than they played at all this tournament. I was actually really, really impressed with some of the ways in which England were playing. And when they're under the cash like that, you know, it allowed them to get a bit more expansive and it made for a much better spectacle of game than we've seen from England for a good while. So Yeah, they so, were they from, attackingly they looked in play, in phases 
really good and back to their best. But Westy, we've seen discipline has become an issue for England. Uh, and average now, the penalty count has gone up by six penalties a game compared to two years ago. Uh, and one of the person that gets a lot of flack for that is obviously Maro Otoje, who has been, you know, one of the best players in the world the last few years, but now has been underform- underperforming for quite a while now and getting a lot of slack for it. What do you think? I jokingly tweeted out, I was sort of joking, half joking, but I was saying that he's playing the same as he was two years ago. It's just he's getting called for all his bullshit now. And people sort of thought I was being serious, but I wasn't really. I know he's he's much better than that. But what are you putting down to his this lack of form? Is, is it the Saracens thing, or is he just going through a bad phase? I'd, I'd say it's a lot. To me, it's the Saracens thing. I think you, you're, you're going to go through a bad phase when you're not playing rugby at a high level for a year. Like, I don't care how big your hit-ups are, your training sessions are, your hit-ups. You're not playing week-in, week-out competitive rugby. It's extremely difficult to go into that situation. And the thing is, for me, with Maradorje, it's not like he's playing bad. Like, he's not missing tackles. He's not falling off. He's not been barreled over. He's, well, I don't know, is he dropping balls? Like, maybe he is. I don't think so. But he's getting pinged for stuff that normally he'd just be a little bit smarter at doing because it's, maybe it's the sharpness of the match situation. You're doing hit-ups to training. Who's reffing that? One of the coaches. Like, you're not used to the way refs are reffing the game this year. And you're right. It's a little bit of the rules have changed. They've gotten a little bit stricter around the outside. We're seeing people getting called for not retreating after the kick that law came in five years ago nobody's ever been paying for it um so it's it, it's it, i think it's a combination of he's just not sharp enough um i don't want to say mentally but like strategically on these areas that he normally would either toe the line very finely or push it even a little bit um and he's getting pinged for it sam what do you think is it told you is he just being pinged for these now it's, no, I think it's 100% mental sharpness. I think it's, it's game fitness. Uh, game fitness isn't just about your ability to keep running, keep going for 80 minutes. It's about your ability to concentrate for those 80 minutes and stay sharp. Like, you know, we've played no, nothing near the same standard, but when you come back from your holidays after Christmas and you've got your extra kg of turkey in your belly, you're not as good and you're not as sharp and you drop balls, not through like a lack of being able to catch, but through a lack of being able to concentrate. You're thinking about too many things and that is where it comes from i think you know england england have looked sluggish in not just the way they're playing with the ball but also the way they're playing in their minds they haven't looked like they're they're kind of they're sharp at all and that's all coming through maro otoje it doesn't help that he's quite obviously like the biggest person on the pitch and he's very obvious so when you're breaking like when you're breaking rules and you're that obvious and you're in and around the breakdown where the ref is looking at you it's harder to get away with it i'd say if you are an outside back or a winger or a back or whatever and you're standing slightly offside you could do that a hundred times and get pinged once Maro Toje you know plays the ball on the ground twice he gets pinged once like that's that's the unfortunate side of rooking and you have to be so so sharp and that's what his the big part of his game so I think that that's it all boils down to not playing regularly enough I think that the, you know I don't understand the how players who aren't playing regularly for their clubs can be picked on form for an international team every fan wants the team to be picked on form and uh, a player that's not playing isn't on form that's just there's no argument there well the best part is you know they'll be in top form in two games time when they play us and oh yeah they'll be match sharp then yeah will be man the match and just slaughter us as he always does but uh, we'll move on then we've also had some pro 14 action lads Connacht played Benetton in Italy beautiful <laughs> sunny Italy what a game what a game one for the neutrals uh, no it wasn't it was quite a poor game to watch but um, Benetton they've had two games now the Munster game cleared where they've had you know victory just snatched from them in the last uh, seconds of the game and f- finally Connacht come out in this game and lads you have supported Connacht obviously for years now this is not a game Connacht win too often Westy is that fair to say? Yeah the, the nature of this game isn't one we win too often like I, I can I think I can count the times on one hand we've won a game at the death I, I've lost kind of times we've lost a game at the death. Um, that's, you know, there's a great thing. Jerry Thorny years ago, years and years and years ago, in the Irish Times once had a quote that said, Connacht uh, amazingly snatch victory or snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And I always remember it like, because it's like it was so apt to how things used to be. Um, like, I, I think we did a lot good. Like, you, you watch it back. Like, Bundy has a lot of really good turnovers. Right. He's a little bit off the pace. Um, in other areas, our wingers play quite smartly. Connor Fitz does grow into the game as it goes on. Kieran Mymion, like 
looking back, he was actually outstanding. Like, and one of our biggest problems was that we couldn't keep up with him. Um, <laughs> literally. Well, yeah, literally. literally. The tap and go, it could be the best decision ever, but if no one's coming with you, it looks yeah. bad. All the time, it looks terrible. But uh, no, like they, they, they frustrated us and they, in areas they played very well. If they were a better attacking side, they win that game nine times out of ten. There was plenty of space out wide, wasn't there, Sam? Uh, for, for, ben- for Benetton. For Benetton to get at, yeah, which is funny because the first 10 minutes I thought Sullivan did really well defending out wide. He, he, he showed his man kind of just outside and made a really good low tackle. And Wooten did very similar and cut off that uh, game. But just as the game wore on, it opened and opened and opened. And they got at us and were able to get at us and didn't punish us. Thank God they have 12 people off with international duty because uh, if they had had any of their internationals, any of their finishers, I think that they would have really kind of pushed at it what i thought would happen was i thought it would be a lively kind of showing from the the benetton starters thinking that they would you know this is their opportunity to seize their chance and where i thought we would end up winning comprehensively was when they had to unload their bench of third string players to take over from the second string players but that didn't happen they 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 didn't look like penetrating us if it wasn't for the fact that they couldn't score we we would have been destroyed but no i think uh Looking back on it, I, I, like Westy criticised Bundy, thinking he was a little bit off the pace, but actually I think he was doing a lot of things really, really well. Uh, he was turning over and then getting wrongfully pinged for it. I thought the ref was, you know, this is becoming a weekly segment on this show with me criticising refs. I think the Pro 14 refs are so, so poor. I'm not even going to say that they're like, they're not even up to standard. I think they're poor. I think some of the decisions are just being made up as they go along. Scrum penalties just go whichever way the ref feels like it. Mall penalties are like, he, he was saying things that just weren't true. There was like Bundy was being pinged for being off his feet when he wasn't. There was loads of stuff like that. But getting back to the actual game, Fitzy was a little bit slow to start, grew into a little bit, but there's not much he can do when the team was under the cosh so badly. Like, I don't know what was decided, but not once did we see any of our extremely good and fast wingers and fullback run it back when we were being pinned back, you know. We couldn't get out of our 22 and we didn't seem to try to do it any other way than booting it straight back at them. And it wasn't for the fact that we had a lot of self-belief, a good maul and a try at the end there. We could be cursing this game because like Wesley said, I've been at many Connacht games where we've not won. I've seen Connacht go to Italy a few times thinking, oh, handy five points and not get the five points or the four points. We've, we've lost more times than you'd like to kind of admit. So it was frustrating to watch, but... Then again, Champions Resolved, you really like seeing a team that played absolutely kind of terribly for, by their own standards win in the end and get it. And I think that's a record now for away wins. And we just keep going. We'll go to Tom now this weekend, tails up a little bit, a few of the international players back. And, you know, they'll be very, very relieved at the result and the way that they managed to do it and be quite probably buoyed by a last-minute winner. Losing that game would have been really, really bad, obviously, because, you know... To, to not be obvious but at least then it saves you you can now lose probably another game and still hold on to that second place hopefully uh, behind Munster you mentioned Connor Fitz and I, I want to kind of get your opinion on him because I haven't seen as much of him obviously as you guys have but I feel he does take a long time to come into games whether it be nerves or whatever uh, when he gets going and there's no doubting his talent but Westy you know if Jack Carty was to you know nothing has been announced yet if he was to move on or God forbid he gets, you know, an injury. Are you comfortable? Are you feeling confident with Connor Fitz as, as your fly half? Well, have you heard? No, no. Is this how you're breaking the news to me? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I am overall. I am. I think, you know, we we said the last two games with Connor Fitz that he kind of had a bit of a slow start in. Um, I think it's down to game time this season. Like he really hasn't played anywhere near the number of games, or well, maybe it is injury with, for a while as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he he hasn't had like. He hasn't played anywhere near the number of minutes this season, let's say, rather than games that he played last season. Um, you know, when, when Jack was away at the World Cup, he had a fantastic run of form uh, for Connacht. Even when Jack came back, Jack struggled to get his position back off. Now, there's other factors there as well, but I think me and Sam were remarking how good Connor Fitz was playing. Um, so I do think he's a, he's a great player. I just think this year he's been unlucky with injuries. Okay, I would be nervous if we lost Jack because we're losing, you know, we're going from... Uh, you know, a 28 year old with you know, does he have 100 caps for Connacht to uh, 150. 150 caps for Connacht, uh, to a very young lad with not that much even 
you know, professional rugby experience. He's still only 21, 22. Um, but I, not, not on his, his ability, you know, and the type of player we know he can be and will be in the future. You just obviously you just hate to lose that much experience because we don't really have another, um, you know, three, four, four or five years ago, we had AJ McGinty, Craig Ronaldson and Jack Carthy. Um, uh, not to mention other players who could, who could probably fit in at, uh, Shane O'Leary, O'Leary, yeah, the year Shane we won, O'Leary. we had Shane O'Leary. Like Ronaldson was playing exclusively at centre that re- year, really. Like, yeah. I think like, even okay, like we've seen now through Nassessi that you know Tom Daly is a fantastic ten, um, and I think uh, two weeks ago I don't think we had a, a, a second ten on the bench. I think it like the idea was that if if Jack goes down, Tom goes into cover. Um, so no, I think I think Connor Fitz, I think I think he's been quickly forgotten. Like last season, he was big in the conversation of like, the young tens coming through and. Maybe through injury this year, he's kind of fallen out of that conversation a little bit. But no, I, th- I expect to see him back um, later on in the season for sure. Don't worry, Wesley. I haven't heard anything. Nothing about Jack. So I'm rambling now because I'm panicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I hope you're sitting down. You are sitting down. <laughs> uh, we'll have to talk about Bundy, as you already mentioned. Uh, Twitter, I said Twitter, like social media was split sort of 50-50. People thought he was very good. Some people thought he wasn't very good. I think we all agreed he definitely wasn't up to his the level that we expect from Bundy in years gone by. But there's no doubting when he's on the pitch, character better and the the intensity and the, the physicality he brings obviously gives away a penalty that you know gives Benetton the, the, the three points to go ahead. But then in typical Bundy fashion, goes up, wins another penalty, and then mauls over for the try. The decision to go for the the line out and try and win it obviously looks great now. At the time though, Sam, were you would you would you have been okay with kicking the three points for the draw? I would have been okay with it, but I was shouting go for the corner. Uh, I had enough belief in our ability to maul over. I think that all we needed to do, and I'd been saying it all half, all we needed to do was one moment of us playing to our potential, uh, us playing to our ability, and we were a better team, and that showed. You know, the second we got it, the second we had the opportunity. It was capitalized on. Bundy was right there in the back of the mall, driving it on, doing what he does best, which is like spurring on the team and leading by example. Uh, so I, I believed in us. I wanted to go for the corner. I wanted to. I thought. I think at the time for me, the four points from the win was far, far more valuable in terms of like cementing second, cementing Champions Cup than the. What the two points would have been, or one point, or whatever. How how does draws work in rugby? Two I points. can hmm? two points. Yeah, uh, it would have just been, it it put just a bigger gap between us, and then you know subsequently Cardiff and the result there, and then like Scarlet's going into that. I thought it was just more important, uh, and I I'm glad they did it. I'm really, and the fact they did it again when they got the second penalty after it not working was great. Uh, getting the turnover and then doing it again and going to it, and you're just believing in himself, and that's that's the sort of thing that I was saying. You know, having that belief to go on for 80, 81 minutes or whatever it ended up being. Like, that's that's a brilliant thing to have. It's an uh, interesting so. second half because you could almost look at it as a defensive exercise. Like, he, yeah. you know, instead of re-watching the game, it's almost like anytime we get possession, we're happy to give it back to them and let them run on us. Kind of quietly confident that we will get a score later on in the game and then they get the penalty and we go, yeah. okay, now we have to get it. Um, it's not of, a good game plan, though, but, no, but a lot if you want to see thing, it that way, if you really want to see it, you can kind of see it that way. A lot of what you're saying, Smurf, when you were asking the question about Bundy is I was, you know, I was obviously, he wasn't his massive explosive self that's going to catch the eyes of the Ireland selectors and get him picked. But what he's done the last two games is being part of a professional setup, been part of a structured backline. You have to also worry about the fact that him and Tom Daly are the only two fit senior centres there. Like Sean O'Brien is on the bench and he's a, he's a young lad. Like, you know, we don't have much more to come in. So not being massively explosive, not taking it upon yourself to try and have the Roy the Rovers moment, might be conserving himself. You might have been kind of told by Andy Friend, you know, just take it easy, do all the basics, be part of the team. Because Friend, Andy Friend said it in the press conference two, three weeks ago. He said, the reason Connick's downfall when we're playing against 14 men is because people start trying to do it themselves and the structure goes out the window. So I think that it's very important to like commend the fact that you know, that back line is playing, it's bringing in new players, it's bringing in the likes of Sullivan getting, you know, game time, Fitzy getting game time. Like, these are these are important moments. And Bundy is a senior pro in that team, you know, the, the most successful probably. Like, he's the, the uh, in, in the international setup, he's, you know, probably would be considered one of the captains or leaders in the team. And for him to go through it and to have the moment at the end that wins it, but also have a good few turnovers that if there was a decent ref on the pitch wouldn't have been pinged and they would have been huge moments. 
I think that's really, really impressive. And like, obviously, I love watching Bundy like give a big show and go hand off and run half the pitch. But if he's been told to conserve his energy and he's been told to work as part of a system for the benefit of the team and he's doing that, that's brilliant. Because any player that likes a Marmion or Carty when he's playing or Aki in that position, Heffern when he comes on to land, who are close to the Irish team, could be selfish and you couldn't blame them for trying to catch the eye because in the moment there doesn't seem to be anything Connacht players can do to catch the eye that's true that's fair but it was a great win great to snatch it at the end like that and you know that all counts as momentum going forward to that Munster game this Friday uh, we've on to Ulster versus Ospreys uh, again sloppy performance by Ulster but yet another win uh, doing what they need to do and Ospreys looked their side that first half but as we see Ulster will punish your mistakes we saw that at the end of the half ball goes loose Nick Timoney showing clean pair of heels. I know he was up against another forward, but still impressive. And then does the smart thing, gives it off to Cooney, who's you know definitely quick. Uh, John Andrews scored a second try for Ulster. And Westy, I want to throw this question to you. This could be the most important question I've asked this podcast. Who has better hair, John Andrew or Kevin O'Byrne? Oh man, I don't think I could. They're almost like twins. I think I could differentiate between them. You're, um, you're the hair aficionado on this panel. I'm the hair aficionado. I'm gonna give it to. John Andrew, because it, when, he, when he gets over that line, there's a great flop, and that's a sign of a great... When, when he hits the ground, but his hair is still in the air, that's the sign of great rugby hair. <laughs> this is the kind of analysis you don't get anywhere else. Uh, no. no, but Sam, Ulster, again, not the best performance, but they're doing enough to win every week. Yeah, and they're winning ugly, and that's commendable, I think. Uh, they're, they're really pushing Leinster. Uh, I think if, if this season goes the way it's been touted uh, to be a one-off final between the top of the conversation conference B, I think Ulster will feel very kind of aggrieved because I think they've really pushed Leinster and it's just unfortunate they happen to be in the same conference as Leinster because if they were in our conference they'd be winning it by far they're, they're a good few points ahead of where Munster are now so I think that, that that is just you know it's the mark of a good team that they can win ugly they have players there that will like you know Cooney capitalise on these opportunities to score tries and you know, getting their conversions and tick the clock over, even if it's not going too well. They have a couple of disallowed tries as well. Like, you know, the same with the Irish Sins. If one or two of them had counted, it might have looked a bit nicer. But no, they weren't overly impressive in their gameplay. But, you know, another good result again like this. They've, they've developed into a really, really good outfit with huge strength and depth. I think that that's the most impressive thing. If you had said to me two years ago that Ulster would have the strength and depth that they have now, I would have laughed at you. But they've really... They've, mixed in they've mixed signings and bringing through young players and like local players and stuff so well it's, they've all ingratiated into a good society like into a good community and having a good team uh, the likes of Balakoon as well coming back is always good Stockdale looked very sharp which he hasn't in the past couple of years maybe year or two he's he really kind of looking a bit stronger fitter smarter maybe uh, so that that can only be good for Ireland and Ulster yeah, I think this is what we wanted for Stockton, wasn't it, Westy? We said, go back to your province, you know, take some time some time off, even could do you good, and he seems to be benefiting from that now, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely, and I, you know, I, I, like with respect to Stockton, I hope it stays that way. I mean, I think it was a really exciting mix uh, in the back line for Ulster, you know, yeah, I said, Stockdale started, and then you had uh, Rob Little, who I was a big fan of at the start of the season, I thought he was, I thought he was going to go very far, now. I think he was injured for a couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking a lot about Mike Lowry the last few weeks. Very, very impressive. Um, and then Robert Balakum as well. So I think um, they've done the right thing by kind of slowly introducing Stockdale, give him a half a rugby to play and take him off. I don't think it was a forced substitution, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, great. Like I'm really excited to see him start now against Leinster next week and see what he can do there. Definitely. And we think that game this weekend should be a cracker. I think we all think, you know, Ulster can put it up to Leinster and possibly beat them. We'll see. Um, Munster Leinster games lads we'll kind of rush through them a bit because I want to get everything covered but the Munster game obviously the story point is the return of Joey Carberry he came on you know he kicked a nice you know score looked you know obviously still plenty of time to come back and he's he's been off for a long time but Sam just how important is it for Munster and hopefully in the long term Ireland to have Joey Carberry back yeah it's brilliant I think you know when he moved to Munster it was a massive signing for a lot of reasons it was a massive signing for his career for Ireland for Munster to have that, you know, Irish standard, international standard out half coming in there, maybe he could potentially be like a full back, a second playmaker as well. And then he was just so, so unlucky with the injury, you know, but he's still very young. He's still like 
got a lot of career ahead of him. So for him to come back and kind of, he, I was impressed with him. Like first game back in however long it was it, 14 months, you know, over a year uh, for him to come back and one or two passes were very nice. Good kick down the line. And then, you know, the conversion, like that's just only going to be brilliant for Munster. I really hope that next Friday he's not on that form and that we see a little bit of rust maybe, but no, uh, from an Irish point of view, he might be, you know, the answer to the, the out half question that's been kind of on everyone's lips for the last while. Uh, and he might be the player that has been said, it's been said about him his entire career that he was there to usurp Sexton at Leinster and then at Ireland. And, you know, that that's still plenty of time to do that. So it's, it's a great thing for Munster to have. And I'd say the likes of like Dealande and stuff, you know, without being really harsh to JJ Hanrahan, I'd say they're looking inside the Mathia Carberry going, yeah, now I can work with this. Like that's it. So that's it. Exciting opportunity for Munster, an exciting time. It's good to see him back. And I don't know, I, I, I've grown kind of a bit of a disdain towards Cardiff, so it's nice to see them lose as well. <laughs> the pitch looks so good, though. I keep saying it. I know, it looks yeah. so good. But I don't know, if, if you follow Connacht as long as Lee Westy, like the Cardiff have just broken our hearts too many times. And it's just, I don't like them. I don't like their fans after games. They're they're more abusive than I am, so it's not, <laughs> it's not nice. Taste of your own medicine. Um, Westy, the announcement today, obviously, Billy Holland has announced he will retire at the end of the season. Um, just, I know we touched a bit last week, actually, just an incredible career, but uh, let's touch it on again. Just kind of your, what have you met of his career? You know, obviously, he never achieved anything, not never achieved anything, but never achieved, <laughs> he never achieved anything. <laughs> Shots fired at <laughs> no. Billy Holland after such a no. oh, heartfelt announcement of retirement. I just say, never achieved, like internationally, probably what his potential was, but. We'll go down as a monster legend, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And look, he was probably a little bit unlucky um, in the international level. You know, he just came along at a time where, you know, Devin Turner was starting uh, a ridiculous amount of games. Um, no, Big Dev fan. Uh, <laughs> when he comes to college, Big Dev. Big Dev. Big Dev. Uh, no, I just feel that he came at a time when the Irish second row wasn't really being rotated. You know, he didn't really get too many opportunities. Again, I can't tell you how many Ireland camps he was in. I think it's only the one cap that he got. Um, but I said last week, I spoke on kind of the value of um, these kind of, I don't want to say one club men, but like that kind of stationary, that kind of like your your club captain, your, your lad who's there week in, week out, maybe not necessarily getting the international cost, but how valuable Billy Holland has been in the development of so many other players. Like I guarantee you talk to Finney Wichler and you talk to John Klein, you talk to um, even... Craig Casey coming through, like the presence of somebody like that in a squad, the presence of all that experience with Munster and his ability to change up as well. Like he hasn't, it's not like he's been playing the same way with Munster for, for 10 years and getting his money. You know, he's adapted to new players coming in. He's adapted to everything that was asked of him. And I think, I think just because it's not lured with international plot, it doesn't mean it's not an outstanding career for a player to have. Yeah. No, no shots intended there, Billy. I, I, I just, didn't finish my sentence is all that happened. Uh, enjoy retirement, obviously, Billy. And off the field, obviously, we all know what he achieved, which was incredible too. So uh, an absolute servant to Munster. And uh, the last game he plays, I'll definitely be tuning into that. Uh, Leinster, Glasgow, we'll touch on this as well. Big, to- you know, hot topic talking point from this was the Adam Hastings red card. Uh, I Again, I watched it back today. I don't even know what the topic is. You can't kick someone in the face. Uh, that seems to be... That should be obvious, but it's getting a lot of... It's 50-50 again. Like, Sam, that's a red card, right? Yeah, it's a red all day. I think you have, like... You know, much as a player has a duty of care to the player in the air, the player in the air has a duty of care to those around them as well. Like, it's it's not a free-for-all. You're not allowed to start swinging. You're not allowed to whip out knives if you're in the air. Like, it's there has to be rules about it. Uh, it's unfortunate he lost his footing, but his leg was in such a manner that he lost his footing probably to do with that. It's something that goalkeepers used to be taught back in the day in soccer, which was get the knee up so that no one will run in and barge you in the air because they'll they'll never do it again sort of thing. And that's the way he looked like he was catching it. It, it was an un, unnatural sort of movement and position. And yeah, he's unfortunate it caught the face of the player. It caught the face of it, Keen Keller, it caught. Uh, and that's unfortunate, but that happens, that happens. You can't kick someone in the head accidentally on the ground and get away with it either so I think that that's it was more than warranted although weirdly it actually was kind of the making of Glasgow made them look much better they really got into it until they went down to 13 men and then they got hockeyed again but I like that they were like we're playing better with 14 imagine how good we can play with 13 <laughs> <laughs> I like that logic I like it 
Uh, Westy, Scott Penny now has scored more tries for Leinster than Jordan Larmer. Uh, he is looking like a real, real prospect, a proper player. The, with the as we've already mentioned, we already have pretty, you know, a lot of incredibly good back rows. Should he be kind of brought in ahead of those, or is it still time for him to kind of play at Leinster and keep developing? I think there's still time. I, I like I think Leinster's pack just work as such a good unit. We've seen them barrel over so many drives this year. Um. And, and Scott Penny is, is a phenomenal talent. Um, as you said, it's a, it's a case of, of working things out. You know, how do we how do we best utilize the talent that we have at back row? Um, I don't particularly think, and I'm not I'm not saying the selection is right or wrong every week, but I don't think that's an area that we're struggling with at Ireland, especially now that you know our, our lineout seems to have been a lot better sorted, and our scrum is, has always been really sturdy. Um, you know, our, our back rows get through an immense amount of work. CJ Standard, like we spoke earlier about how good Will Connors was in, in the game. Um, I just think, again, it's, he's unfortunate that he's in a, in a position that's full of, full of wealth. But again, it'd be nice to see him brought in um, kind of like Coombs was for, for a camp for a little while and maybe get a chance. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, again, this is why I don't like Ty Burnett. In the back row, I think he, I think we have a, an opportunity to have him in the second row and open up a spot there. But you know, the, the, the I mean Henderson and, and Ryan are fantastic players as well. Uh, it's, um, a summer tour would be ideal for Scott Penny, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, if, if the Lions had gone ahead this year and we had like a, uh, although if the Lions goes ahead this year now, I don't know how many players are actually going to get in there. But <laughs> yeah, it could be zero. <laughs> <at this stage. laughs> yeah. But I I would argue that a summer tour is too early for Scott Penny, not because I don't think he's good enough, but. He's 21 and playing in the back row. Like, yo, he's got 20-something caps for Leinster now. Get him get him another 50 or 60 caps. Get him another two or three years. Let him physically develop into the player he's going to be. Like, you, you talk about 22, 23-year-olds. They're still not the same size or strength that they're going to be as 25, 26-year-olds. And then you have the opportunity. If you get them to 25, and then he gets into an Ireland camp, he's got so much experience playing week in, week out, and really honing his skills and developing getting you know a good rapport and a massive amount of experience at a high level like Leinster are going to be playing at a high level for that four or five years or whatever it is and then you bring him in as a 25 year old he still has a potential six seven eight year international career but he's really honed his skills I think bringing him into an Irish squad and you've seen it with a couple of these kind of fringe players they're not getting either game they're not getting any game they're fringe players for Ireland then fringe players for their club because they're away with Ireland Whereas, like, you know, he's 21. There's no rush with him. We have a wealth of back rows. There's so many back rows not even in the Ireland squad that he doesn't, I don't think, leapfrog yet. Let him improve his ability and keep going and keep improving the way he is. And it's just going to be beneficial in the long run. Yep, that's fair enough. Move down. Southern Hemisphere boys, Super Rugby, Arthur Roa is back. And it just, watching these games back, it just reminds me of, how how different the rugby is uh, <laughs> to some of these Pro 14 games. Uh, Highlanders kicked it off playing the Crusaders. Uh, Irishman Jack Regan was playing for the for the Highlanders. Gets involved with Joe Moody early, uh, to say the least. Uh, I I would have thought that would have been at least a yellow card. I know it's open palm, but that doesn't mean I can go around and start open palming people for no reason. I know Jack Regan does pull him a bit. But Westy, what did you think of that incident? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think you could see it go a different way with a, on a different day and a different ref. I do think maybe the, the refs in Super Rugby are, are being encouraged to let the game flow on a bit more. Um, and we thank them for it. <laughs> yeah, and reduce the number of cards that they give out. Um, I don't know. Is it, I know the Australians do have it. Do the Super Rugby Arturoa have the... 20-minute red card rule as well. Yeah, they had it last year as far as I'm aware, but yeah. it wasn't used. Um, so, yeah, I think they're probably just under the directive that they should probably let the game go as much as possible. And look, it was, it was a pretty entertaining game. I, I really enjoyed it. Jack, Jack Regan did the hack of Sam. If you were doing the hack, would you go full out, tongue out, like, you know, proper into it? Or Jack Regan seemed to hold back a little bit? I think you'd hold back a little bit just for fear of, like, looking like the token white guy. But uh, I think that... You know, you do have to give it the respect it deserves. You have to appreciate the position you're in. Not many non-New Zealand natives have been in hackers, have been allowed to be in hackers, have been in, had the opportunity to be in hackers. It's not particularly a 
huge thing in club rugby. So it's it's I think you you're in a privileged position. You're part of like an opportunity there, and you pay it the respect it deserves. And I think he did that. I think he did it well. And just like it's a, it's good to see, but like you see the big awfully head on him, like from anywhere there. Like he's no Aaron Smith. Like if someone if you, if someone didn't know who Jack Regan was, and you said spot the Irish lad in that team, <laughs> you'd spot him straight away, wouldn't you? <laughs> he's that kind of player, but. I've been waiting to say the next thing for months now, and I can't. It brings me great joy to say it. Wessie's best friend, Shannon Frizzell, scored a try. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Wessie, tell us yeah. that story again. <laughs> I was once. I said, let, let me paint the scene for you. <laughs> it's it's my last day in Tokyo. Okay. Right, last day in Japan. Right. I misread my ticket from my flight, so I head to the airport for my nine in the morning flight back to Dublin. Lo and behold, my flight is actually at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> so I have a whole day to kill. And I thought, who am I going to call? My good friends, Shannon. Big friends. No, so big friends. Big, big friends. <laughs> um, so I headed to, headed to the city centre. I was like, oh, look, I'll just, I'll just potter around. I'll kind of find some stuff to do. Go down to Shibuya, do the Shibuya crossing. And I go up to Starbucks. And who do I see sitting across the room? But a young Shannon Frizzell. We have a, a deep conversation about their upcoming game against Ireland. I like to think that I was part of Ireland's demise in the end. You know, yeah. I really gave him some wise words. Gave away no, all I, secrets. Yeah. I ate Biasy with Octum and said, Oh, hey, mate, how are you? Like, good luck at the weekend. Get a photo. That's, and that was it. To, to the, to the long time listeners of this podcast, that won't be a new story, but to the new listeners, that will be, and get used to it, that will be <laughs> a running joke over this uh, Super Rugby Arturoa. Uh, and the next thing will also be probably a running thing over Super Rugby Arthroa. Crusaders didn't look great for the first 60 and then pulled away <laughs> for the last 20. Even the commentators said it. They yeah. were like, oh, now they're going to turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. But uh, Sam Highlanders looked pretty good in patches too. Like, th- this was a good game. Yeah, it was a brilliant game. Really, like, I think the two games, the scoreline doesn't really do them justice. I think this was a lot closer than 26-13. Oh, I think you would say that, Hurricanes boy. <laughs> Definitely getting onto that, but uh, no, I think uh, I think that this 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 should have been a one score game. I think it was very close. I think that uh, Highlanders are brilliant, and I think like Aaron Smith was just so influential in like getting the ball right on the line and really causing a bit of distress. Uh, you know, massively impressed with both teams. Sebu <laughs> Reese, I like I cry every time I watch him play. <laughs> he could be in the sports ground freezing his bollocks off if he had you know not done what he did but uh, that's another story for another day it's, it's great to watch really free-flowing rugby like that it's like it, it comes out, out the traps the way it did and it's brilliant and i think that yeah highlanders look dangerous i think that they'll definitely like i think this like the highlanders crusaders blues probably the top three pushing for it. hurricanes if they can play to their potential be pushing for it and then you know chiefs probably be a laughing stock again but sure we'll leave that we'll leave that out this weekend we hope to see uh, yeah. Japan international Kazuki Himino starting for Highlanders this weekend that would yeah. be hopefully that would be huge and Jack Regan made team of the week for a bit of Jack Regan um, we want to touch on I was going to touch on something else as well oh yeah thanks to Sanzar Rugby for putting in a copyright strike on my Instagram post appreciate you lads got it tucked down so not, not a good start in my good books but we'll move on uh, Hurricanes Blues was the Saturday game Sam you took a big fat L uh, these the Blues boys did it. Uh, boys Blues, my boy Blue Westy. Watching this game, I thought it was a fantastic game. To be honest, I really enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't going to get up for it, and then I, I was on call at work. I got called at half five, and I figured <laughs> I'm up anyway. I might as well stick it on. Um, but no, I think it was a brilliant game. And, and look, Sam is right. The scoreline really doesn't reflect the result at all because you know up until the last ten minutes, it really could have gone either way. Um, I thought the Tarot Black was fantastic. Um, I was worried about, again, because look, I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't overly follow the Blues before last year. I was worried how they were going to be without um, without Bowden Barrett. Um, but I think you can definitely still see the kind of benefits of, of him there. Tarot Black's really grown to a, to a fantastic 10. Dalton Papalidi was fantastic. Oh, boy, um, Dalton. Uh, Patrick Tui-Pelotu. I mean, I love the guy. What a man. What a man. Yeah. Sam... What went wrong? What a terrible performance by the Hurricanes. Should be kicked out of Super Rugby Arturo. Drop Artie Savea. Useless. Oh, 100 caps oh, my ass. That's wrong. That's, that's wrong. wrong. It's also, <laughs> just to gaslight it's him. Just also untrue. But go on, Sam, talk us through the but, Hurricanes. Uh, no, the, uh, yeah, it was, I think Blues 
were fortunate and they capitalised on a couple of mistakes to really drive the scoreline home. Uh, I think that, you know, they scored early off a mistake and capitalised on that. And then after that, it was an absolute slobber knocker of a game. I thought Amua at uh, Hooker was just unbelievable. He was almost unplayable. At he's parts. my new favourite uh, player. Yeah. Well, how did New Zealand he, keep producing these hookers who are just like... Athletic, like yeah. What's so going on? Good. You've got Cody Taylor, you've Dan Coles, now this fucker yeah. as well. It's not fair. Yeah. Oh, but no, I, I I thought the game was brilliant. I thought uh, I thought a lot of Blues players were very good. Terry Black was really good. Garden Bashup was class. His younger brother for Highlanders was also class. It's like these uh, these siblings just keep coming around in New Zealand. Uh, and another siblings are already and great to see uh, Julian Save back on. Uh, I think Peter Maga Jensen just had a child the other day. That's probably why he wasn't starting. But he came on. I thought he was better than Proctor when he came on, really. Uh, but no, on the whole... I thought I was very impressed. Should have definitely been a one-score game. Could have gone either way. Really, uh, Blues capitalised on some very open play, desperation play, tr- like uh, the Hurricanes trying to get back into it towards the end there. But I just love Super Rugby Arthur. Oh, it's it's an enjoyable tournament to watch. It's such an enjoyable spectacle. The, the ability, the rugby ability. Some of these players will never be all black. Some of these players will get less than 10 all black caps. But I guarantee you, any one of the 30 people that started yesterday would be a Pro 14 starter instantly like you know probably play on any of the six nations teams be that in the 23 or in the extended squad like there's just such a wealth of talent in every single team and super rugby arts are all yeah the 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 standard of play and the style of play is just incredible like it's never boring there's no boring massive massive shout out to uh, duplicit scarifi who last season if you listen to this podcast when we were reviewing every week i said i'm so impressed this is such a good strong aggressive young back row Came on, I was licking my lips. I was like, here we go. First thing he did, massively late hit on map. <laughs> Second thing he did, yellow card. <laughs> That's what you want. Impact That's player. Exactly Impact player. Want. He was called up into the All Black squad last year, brought over to Australia, and never got his game. But uh, he's hugely highly rated. He was an absolute stud in the Mitre 10. Uh, and he's got such a such a career ahead of him. He's still so young, but he's so strong, so quick, he's so aggressive. I love watching him play. So, you know, you've already... Uh, Savia, Fafida, Flanders, and him like that's what a wealth of talent in the back row. Like, I take that back row over Ireland's back row any day. Would they take would they be better than Scott Penny though? That is the question. That is the question. No, I'm <laughs> joking, of course, but there was almost as many offloads in these games as the Irish game because offload city, offload <laughs> city. But uh, next this weekend, the Chiefs are back, boys. Will they win a game this year? Westy predictions, they will win because they don't have that brick. Warren Gatland pulling them down anymore. Oh, controversial. Hashtag oh, Gatland Lord. Irish back, baby. <laughs> he's gone. He's not there. He's, yeah. in, he was, he's at the Wales game. But he's still employed by them, right? He's still on the books. He's definitely getting two paychecks, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they play the Highlanders, which the Highlanders, I said, as I said, look really good. Then Sunday, Sam Crusaders Hurricanes. Oh, yes. How are you feeling? Good, confident. Said it last year as well. Said before every game any team I've ever sported play. And uh, it's, it's yet to backfire. So. <laughs> yet to backfire. I think we need to fact check that uh, at some stage. But right, this has been a long podcast. Everyone listening, we apologise. But we did have a lot of games to get through. Next week will be Pro 14 and some Super Rugby Arturoa. So it'll be a bit, a bit uh, shorter, shall we say. But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, boys, appreciate it as always. And we'll catch us next week. See you later. See you, boys. Cheers.